0: Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball.
3: All right, welcome to a Baseball America college podcast powered by Louisville Slugger, power in numbers. Um, We are here for the first time in 2017 to talk college baseball. The preseason top 25 was released today over at BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, TCU is number one for the first time in the rankings history, preseason or otherwise. Uh, so let's talk about this. I'm Teddy Cahill. We got Jim Shonard and Mike LaNana here with me, uh, coming live from the Baseball America studio here. And uh, so let, let's just dive right into this. TCU, number one. Uh, we like this team a lot, guys. I, I don't think we spent a whole lot of time discussing number one. Um, they went to Omaha for the third straight year last year, and they returned essentially their entire team mm-hmm. um they uh as a result were the the pretty easy choice there and, and they also brought in an, an incredible recruiting class i mean it's gonna be hard for them to to work some of those guys in but i'm sure they'll find find a place for for all that talent um jim you, you talked to you talked to jim schlossnagel there
0: what uh what's kind of the feeling from fort worth i mean they're really excited uh, understandably i mean he talked about, uh, kind of use this as the lead in my story, but uh, my capsule on them, but basically as soon as they stepped off the bus from Omaha, getting back from Omaha last year, he took them all into their clubhouse there in Fort Worth, and he's like, you know, hey, we're probably, he he, I think the way he phrased it was like, I didn't, I didn't know we were going to be number one, but I had a feeling we were going to be top three, top five, so I wanted, you know, I was like, I wanted the guys to be ready, I wanted them to know that, the expectations were going to be be up there for, for 2017. And, yeah, I mean, they bring back, what, eight out of nine position players, pretty much all their pitchers. I mean, it's it's, it's a really deep, talented team. And like you said, they've had another – I think they've had back-to-back top ten uh, recruiting classes now. And it's – there's there's not really many holes there. I mean, they, the one – you know, the one thing he kind of – Coach we'll kind of talked about is they don't have a lot – like their starting pitching is – not a week. like they just don't have like the first round picks among like their junior their upperclassmen they don't have like the Brandon Finnegans like when they or going back like they had a obviously like Jake Arrieta was there another you know past uh, ace of theirs but so they may not have that guy but they've got plenty of depth and so there's there's really no 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 wrong answers for them.
3: I have heard that story about their uh, team meeting the, the the closing team meeting last year already at least twice myself I think uh, so if. Uh, if TCU continues to be as good as as we think they're going to be and, and goes to Omaha, like I think, uh, I think Schloss will be uh, be using that that story an, an awful lot uh, th- throughout the year. Uh, but you're right; uh, the the pitching is deep, but it might not be. You know, there's no there's no top guy. They, they don't have a guy that you, that you look at and say like there's a, you know, there's a potential. First not like draft got, like, like
0: last year with Florida when they have. AJ Puck, and right. Shore, and those guys, right. or Florida this year with Alex Fado. yeah. But um, but but like you were saying, there's, there's just plenty of depth though. And Nick Lodolo
3: could be that guy. He was the 41st overall pick in the draft last year, uh, freshman left-hander coming in, and um, he's expected to be very good. But you know, it, it's hard to put that on yeah. a uh, on a freshman. And, and Luke and Baker, some people had thought of him that way in the past. Uh, but he is not going to pitch this year. He's just going to hit. Um, so that takes away another potential Friday option. Not that they're lacking for them, uh, but you know they, they did um, they may do without him on the mound for the second half of last season. Yeah. they'll be they'll be fine with him just hitting and, and there's some thought that he might be even more dangerous as a hitter now that he is just hitting. Mike, what about uh, what about the frog stands out for you?
1: Well, obviously, you and I saw them last year in Omaha and the performance they had and really a you know, surprising performance to a lot of people just because of how young they were, you know, getting back to Omaha for a third straight trip with, you know, essentially an entirely different team. And it was really impressive, especially offensively, because in years past, they've relied more on pitching and, you know, watching them in Omaha, they were one of the more offensive teams out there, which is tough to do, obviously, in that ballpark. And, you know, I think it, it starts with, uh, you know, obviously, Luke and Baker and just his tremendous strength I mean the home run that that he hit to to win that game in Omaha I think it's still flying I think it's still you know going through the air in Omaha maybe it, it'll land uh, in Iowa you know past that uh, the pedestrian bridge there but Bob uh, Carey pedestrian the, bridge. yeah the Bob Carey pedestrian bridge sorry about that uh, <laughs> the uh to the the travel department of Iowa and, and Nebraska but anyway Um, Yeah, so you look at them and, you know, clearly watching them last year in Omaha, knowing that they would bring back essentially everybody. You know, I know for me, just like it was for both of you, it was pretty much a no-brainer putting them at number one this year. I mean, obviously, the the first five teams, I think, in our rankings are all pretty close. I think we wrestled with with a few of them for sure, but for me, they were the clear favorite.
3: Yeah, they're. uh, I mean, like you mentioned, the the top five, all very talented. I I think there's a bit of a delineation there for sure. Um, But TCU again, just with the the number of returners, Evan Scag behind the plate, right, and um, especially bringing that leadership and and a a year older for a lot of these guys too. I mean, you you get time to develop. A lot of them went to went out for summer ball. Um, Some of them went to the Cape Cod League, had had some good summers there, and. You know, you, you expect them to continue to develop. They were very good last year, and, and there's reason to believe that that these guys can be better. And as we saw last year, uh, I don't think we really needed this to tell us this, but but it was a good reminder last year that experience and older players really help you win in college baseball. That was one of the the driving factors of Coastal's run, of several of these teams' runs, and TCU is not only. You know, prospect-y and talented with guys like Baker and Skoug and Lodolo, uh, Josh Watson, but they're also experienced with guys like Mitchell Traver and Brian Howard and Elliot Barzilli, and uh, the list goes on and on. Um, so I think they're, they're a very exciting team. We're, we're going to be uh, interested in, in following them all season. Following them at number two is Florida State, and then Florida checks in at number three, LSU and South Carolina round out the top five. Uh, number two is a bit of a sticking point for us. Um, you know, Florida and Florida State have been tied together, you know, not just by geography, but they uh, were the last two super regionals. Uh, they faced each other with Florida coming out on top both times. Uh, but we, we gave the nod, uh, a very slight nod, to Florida State here at number two. Uh, Mike, what, uh, what is it about the Knowles that, that has uh, them ahead of Florida right now?
1: Well, a lot like TCU, they bring back pretty much everybody. Everyone from what was a very good team last year, a young team last year. You know, they did rely heavily on their freshmen, especially offensively. And, you know, the, the kind of years that they put together offensively, you know, talking about Kyle Raleigh and, and Jackson Luke, those guys in particular, as freshmen, I mean, they were tremendous batting in the middle of the order. And then you look at, you know, bringing back Taylor Walls, who was our first team All-American shortstop last year. And, um, you know, obviously uh, Dylan Busby, the performance that he put together just in the ACC tournament alone at four home runs in that tournament. It was it was pretty wild to watch. I mean, it's it's they're always Florida State's always going to be an offensive team just because of the, the approach that, you know, Coach Martin has there. But, you know, this year especially, there's really not a break or a breather in that lineup. And, you know, it's such a luxury. It's something it's almost unheard of to have a lineup with four switch hitters in it. I mean, that's that's so difficult to match up against. And I know Mike Martin told me he doesn't remember having any lineup with that many switch hitters. And and I believe him because it's not something you see, you know, even at the major league level all that often. So, you know, certainly they're going to be really tough to pitch to, as they always are. And then you introduce... You know, freshmen like Drew Mendoza into the mix, who obviously is is very uh, highly touted coming in and a a lot of talent, and someone who's going to start right away and play right away, and you would expect to make a, a positive impact early on for FSU. And then, I mean, beyond that, beyond the offensive depth and what they return from a position player standpoint, they return their entire weekend rotation, too, which it's not quite maybe the dominant rotation as some of these other teams in the top five they don't necessarily it's not necessarily loaded with power arms but it's a formidable group um you have a guy in and drew carlton that's done it for a couple of years now that's a solid inning eaters type a guy you know who relies on a sinker who you know pitches to contact you have Cole Sands who, who came in highly touted last year and he's got good stuff you can run it up there to you know 94-95 at times this fastball and you know you expect him to take a step forward this year from an inconsistent year last year and then you have Tyra Holton who last year was was great for them uh, as a freshman left-hander a guy who posted a sub three ERA and did really well and performed well in the, in the ACC tournament as well so you have a, a solid returning group there and, I mean, there are some question marks in the bullpen as far as who's going to step up as closer. But they have guys who've done it before. They have guys who've pitched high-leverage innings. So, you know, you believe that they'll figure it out at some point. You know, if it's, it starts as a closer by committee, so be it. You imagine they'll settle on someone at some point. So
3: Well, you know, the thing last year was they were really good last year, and they really yeah. never settled on a closer anyway. So, right. um, you know, Mike right. Marr knows how to manage that bullpen out there.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, if, that, and if that's your only question, I mean, it's really... Not that big of a question with them. I think they're a very complete team. I think they're they're clearly the the team to beat in the ACC. And you know, obviously, we went we went back and forth between them and Florida. It was a difficult decision. You know, I could see it both ways. I could see both arguments. But I know, to me, looking at FSU, it's just how complete they are and how many known quantities they have coming into this year.
3: I mean, for me, I I, um, I look at Florida State and you know the the pitching the. the the three returning starters really stands out to me. I mean, you always expect they're going to hit, and it's a very talented lineup. But to have that experience back on the staff, I think that's, that's going to be critical for them. And it, they're a little bit different than Florida. I mean, they really are. They're, they're, you know, with Florida State, we're talking about this older team. We're talking about a um, you know, team trying to get back to Omaha for the first time since 2012. Uh, with Florida, we're, it's a little bit younger still. Um, they lost, they had six players last year drafted in the first 88 picks. They're reloading, and the talent is there, but there are a little more questions. They don't return their entire rotation. Um, you know, A.J. Puck it, was the sixth overall pick, and Logan Shore was a Golden Spikes finalist, and, and those guys are both gone now, and so is Dane Dunning, who was also a first-rounder and um, you know did some very important work for them as a, a swingman. Uh, but Florida being Florida, is they're going to pitch. Alex Vado could be the first overall pick in this year's draft. He moves to Friday nights. Brady Singer could be the first overall pick in next year's draft. Uh, he was the number one prospect in the Cape this summer. Uh, he'll go behind. Um, he'll move into the rotation from the bullpen. Jackson Coar will round it out. That's three really good pitchers. The offense was pretty young last year with the exception of Alonzo and Reed. Uh, and, and so they bring back an awful lot offensively. And if those guys can continue to get better, guys like Jonathan India, Dalton Guthrie, Deacon Lippitt, and then you mix in some guys from the third-ranked recruiting class this year, you've got an awful lot of talent on the roster again at Florida. Um, and they are, to me, the SEC favorite. Uh, they're the first SEC team in the poll um, you know, following TCU and, and Florida State. Behind them, we now get LSU and and South Carolina, and Jim, when we look at both of those teams, LSU fits this older, experienced, largely returning team that we've talked about, and South Carolina pitches an awful lot, but Alex Lane there for for LSU on Friday nights. I mean, everyone in the SEC has really good Friday night starters, but Alex Lane uh, is kind of a standout uh, here it gives LSU a chance to to really make some noise every every Friday night.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, with him on Fridays and Jared Pache on Saturdays. I mean, those are two, you know, as experienced guys as you can get. I mean, Pushey was the guy, they get him back as a senior, which they did not expect. Um, and he's a guy who's been in the rotation since. Uh, like, anyway, yeah. So I mean, that's it's it's a good it's you know a good good thing to have with with those two guys, and they're still. Uh, and then. So we talked. You know, the thing with them last year is they had to break in basically an entirely new lineup. Basically, everyone other than Jake Fraley was new, and now it's different. Now, all those guys are all those lineup guys have experience, so it's going to be much. It should be a much. Uh, I would expect to be a much more rounded team. We probably should I would expect them to get off to a you know a good start. And and yeah, I mean it's they're they're going to be a there's a lot of talent on that team in South Carolina. They had a Big year last year to get back to Super Regionals. Now they're trying to get back to Omaha for the first time under uh, Chad Holbrook. But yeah, I mean it's those are you know those are two teams that are going to be right there. I mean it's it's you know we'll see how deep the SEC is this year. But those are all teams to, to watch.
3: The uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch the the way the East unfolds this year uh, in the SEC. Last year, South Carolina uh, won the East, and, and that was a big deal for them. Um, they they edged Florida, uh, caught them on the last weekend, um, so that should be fun again this year. You throw in Vanderbilt, who's number eleven in these rankings, um, and, and obviously the SEC East will be fun. The SEC West behind LSU a little more open. We don't have another West team ranked, uh, but you know you can expect AM And Mississippi State and Arkansas, even uh, Ole Miss. Um, you know there, there's going to be competition out there, and it, the SEC looks rugged again. But I think these three teams, given what they have coming back and the, the kind of star power that all three of them can run out there, especially on Friday nights. Um, you know, we talked about Fado and Lane. South Carolina is trying to decide between Will Crow and Clark Schmidt, two potential day one picks uh, to, to be their Friday starter. Uh, so you look you look at the elite talent. You look at the, the depth, the experience the, these teams have have an awful lot of all of that and and that's why they uh that's why they rank in the top five and and we're we're very excited to see how that race plays out as a whole now the top five tcu florida state florida lsu south carolina that's a lot of blue bloods that's a lot of omaha experience here uh the number six team here east carolina is not that east carolina has never been to omaha uh they came within 90 feet last year in Super Regionals against Texas Tech, couldn't quite get that winning run in in Game 2, and then Texas Tech came back and won it in Game 3 to advance to Omaha themselves. But East Carolina returns pretty much that entire team, don't they, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically everybody. And, I mean, they were... They, they were, had
3: nobody drafted last year.
1: Yeah, which... Is uh, <laughs> It's a good thing and a bad thing, you know, it's obviously, if you have guys drafted, it means that you have a lot of talented players and you have a lot of prospects, but at the same time, there's something to be said for experience and having done it before, and that, that plays in college baseball, and you look at this team and you look at what they accomplished last year, I mean very few expected them to go as far as they did last year. Even the year before when they won the AAC tournament and got into a regional that year, very few expected them to get that far that year. And it's really a testament to the culture that Cliff Godwin has built there You know, as head coach since taking over two years ago. It's just this toughness and this grittiness about them and they find ways to win. And so you bring back all those guys who have played under that mindset, who have played in that culture the past couple of years, and have found success with it. You know, they're all a year older, they're all a year wiser. And then you bring in the, the number 23 ranked recruiting class with a few freshmen who can impact the team right away. You know, guys like Bryant Packard, Spencer Brickhouse, Trey Benton, who will likely be their Sunday starter and is a guy with, with power stuff. And then you you know, you bring back your Friday starter, Evan Krasinski, who, you know, posted a two point oh one ERA last year and doesn't have blow it by you stuff, but he's the competitor on the mound on Friday nights, a left hander with good secondary stuff and a field pitch. And then you have you bring back Travis Watkins, a fifth year senior who just went bananas last year in the regional, you know, homering nonstop. And, you know, a guy who, who really found his swing at that point and has evolved as an offensive player to match his defensive skill set. And then you have guys like Duane Williams-Sutton, a freshman last year, an outfielder who has a lot of tools, who's a guy who's a legitimate prospect and a guy who you'll see in a lot of draft boards next year in his junior year. So there are a lot of interesting pieces there, and uh, the expectations are very high there. I'll, I'll tell you that. I was at Greenville uh, last week talking with coach godwin there and a few of the veterans on the team and i have a story that will be coming out soon talking about how they've sort of built that culture there but this team is for real i know you might look at this top 25 and see east carolina at number six and be like whoa you know where did that come from but this is something that's been building for a couple of years now and you know finally the talent is sort of matching up with the toughness that they have and so they're going to be you know an interesting team to watch this year for sure
3: it's uh, east carolina's highest preseason ranking ever um Coming in at, at number six, uh, we got Louisville behind them at seven. Fullerton, Oregon State, and Clemson round out the top ten. Oregon State, the first Pac-12 team, checking in at number nine. Uh, that's a team that's pretty motivated, aren't they? Last uh, Jimmer, you know, considering that last year they uh, they're probably the biggest snub from the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, it was either you could argue for them or North Carolina, but yeah, I would say for me it would have been Oregon State. I thought they it tied third in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, it, it admittedly down Pac-12, but they, you know, they were playing well towards the end, and obviously overcame a lot of injuries. It, it was surprising they didn't get in. Um, and I think at the time, I can't remember what their RPI was in the selection time. I think it was might have been in the 40s. But I mean, there were teams with worse RPIs that got in. I mean, Washington got in with a worse RPI than Oregon State had. But uh, anyway, I mean, you know, Oregon State certainly. First time they've missed the tournament since 2008, and yeah, I mean, they're, it's definitely made them hungrier. I mean, they're, Pat Casey talked a little bit about it when I, I spoke with him, it's, you know, for him, he's, he's pretty, you know, uh, he doesn't, you know, he, he didn't get, I don't know how emotional he gets about uh, talking about many things, but he certainly didn't get emotional, he didn't get, uh, he was pretty, you know, pretty uh, flatline about it, but, um, but yeah, no, but that's for the, yeah, he said, but yeah, for the players, it's, it is a motivator, and They've got a lot back. I mean, they had they had a lot of injuries last year. Like I said, I mean, Drew Rasmussen being the the biggest one, their their ace. But um, and you know, we went down with TJ. And but they get so they're they're kind of hope, they hope to get him back, but that's not uh not really not not really no know, knowing when. But um yeah, they had some guys break out in the rotation last year, like Bryce uh, Femmel and and um, um Luke Heimlich. Heimlich. Yeah, I was trying to uh, blank there, but. Yeah, and, they've, and Max Engelbrecht is back in the rota- and to close things out in the bullpen. So they've got some arms. They've got, obviously, some uh, talented freshmen coming in like Verberg and uh, um, oh, Gambrill. So they had another uh, top 25 recruiting class. And offensively, you know, they've got talent. They do lose Logan Ice, a veteran catcher, but most of the rest of the lineup is back and uh, Morris in their shortstop. So two up the middle guys are gone, but pretty much everyone else is back and they're just going to, Obviously, KJ Harrison is probably the guy that will get the most attention. Their leading home run hitter from a year ago, um, he'll he'll get a little time catching his this year with uh, another freshman, Adley Rutschman, who's probably who's their uh, top position player recruit. Um, he's another guy with some power, so they should have a deeper lineup. Should be a little bit more offensive. Uh, Pat Casey talked about they could probably do probably you know, last year. Pretty much Harrison and Ice were their only power guys, and I, I, I wrote about this in my capsule, and they had I think those two had. Like seventeen of their twenty something home runs. I believe as a it was team. seventeen of twenty five. Yeah, so twenty five is pretty low for a team total, Enough two of it be or two guys account for two thirds of it. Um, but so they should be a little deeper. They're hope they're healthier. Elliot carries back another guy who outfielder who missed all of last year. Um, they're hoping some of their sophomores also had a great year from Nick Madrigal, one of their uh, a freshman last year. But some of their other guys from that class were. A bit underwhelming, so they're hoping for those guys to come through this year. Guys like Hayden Grenier, who was a, a top prospect in the uh, what was it? the uh, West Coast League, if I remember right, or the Cal Collegiate League, one of them. West Coast League. West Coast League coming out of high school, um, which I know Mike was excited about. Mhm. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So the guys like that, some of that that sophomore class, if those guys take a step forward this year, and guys like Harrison and Rushman kind of anchor the middle of the lineup. And uh, and Carey coming back, they could be a pretty, they should be a good offensive team. They've got options on the mound, and like I said, they had them as the top Pac-12 team, Fullerton as the top West West Coast team overall. But uh, yeah, I mean the Beavers, you know, we got the Beavers and UW right down there, at uh, number twelve, not far behind. But yeah, they're uh, they definitely they should be back. I, don't, I think that last year should be an aberration for the Beaves.
3: The Pac-12 uh, w- race was very interesting last year uh, in large part because Utah was under dealing with an under-500 record while trying to win the Pac-12, and they, they ultimately did do that. I think the Pac-12 race will be very interesting again this year, uh, but without the um, strange component of a, of a sub-500 team trying to win a power conference. Oregon State, Washington... Stanford, Arizona, these teams all look very, very intriguing. We, we have Oregon State here at the top. Jimmy, you mentioned Washington, uh, hot on their heels there at 12. Um, and then Arizona and Stanford are a little bit further down at 22 and 23. You got some teams trying to come back from down years. Oregon State and Stanford both missed the tournament last year. You got Washington trying to really build on some momentum, trying to break through to super regionals for the first time, and you got Arizona coming off of you know being the national runner-up, one win away from a, a national title in Jay Johnson's first year, but they have to replace an awful lot. So it, it, it's an interesting Pac-12. Mike, is there is there a Pac-12 team that, that kind of jumps out to you as, as an interesting team, not necessarily as the favorite, just as a, a team that, that you want to you're, you're excited about seeing this year?
1: Yeah, let's talk about Washington. Uh, I like. <laughs> I like. <laughs> let's talk about Washington. I, you know, you look at this group and obviously a, a successful year last year, and they return a whole lot. I mean, they're they're in good shape. Um, you, you look at bringing back Jack Meggs, who you know, I had a couple of Pac-12 coaches tell me they thought he was the most valuable player. You know, in in the Pac-12, just because of what he brought to his team in terms of his leadership,
3: and we should note that Lindsey Megs, his father, was not one of those. coaches. He was not one of those
1: coaches, so it was not a bias. <laughs> it was not a bias thing. Um, but you you look at them, and and they do bring back a lot. And, and you know, they had some young pieces last year that really needed to develop. You know, you look at AJ Griffin, you know, at shortstop, you know, a guy who who came in with a lot of tools and defensive ability, but didn't necessarily hit all that well he had his struggles offensively he's gained some weight he had a nice cape put on about 25 pounds so he has a chance to produce a little bit more this year i know talking to to lindsey Maggs, he's really excited about the progress joey morgan has made behind the plate and thinks when it's all said and done he'd probably be one of the top catching prospects out on the west coast um when it comes time for the draft so you know, they, they, do, they do bring back a lot, and then you look at the, the weekend rotation, you bring back Noah Bremer, who has, has been really their guy the past couple of years on Fridays, and has been really steady, one of the steadier arms in the Pac-12 the past couple years. And then Joe Demers, a guy who, you look at the stat line last year, and it was a little ugly, you know, an ERA over six, but, you know, has good stuff, you know, came in very highly touted, a very talented freshman, but obviously had his struggles. This year, so far in the fall, he looked like a different guy, and uh, a guy who's using more of his arsenal, who's who's really developing as a pitcher and less of a thrower, and so expectations are high for him this year. Obviously, he's wait and see, but expectations are high. So, you know, the biggest question mark with Washington at this point is replacing the closer. Obviously, Troy, Troy Wallings, what he did last year, I mean, just look at the numbers, they're they're insane. And, you know, right now they're looking at a, at a freshman to, to replace him, Josh Bergman in particular, although it's possible he could work in the rotation at some point too. They still haven't finalized it, but, you know, he's a guy who consistently pitches around 93, touches 94, And they just love his mindset. They think he could fit that closer's role. But we'll see. It's easier said than done. He obviously has really big shoes to fill. And, you know, we saw what happened, you know, last year with UCLA trying to replace Berg. I mean, that was a a difficult thing for them to do in the back end of the bullpen. So when you lose a guy like that, you know, you you wonder sometimes how it's going to impact you. But that's the biggest question mark. Otherwise, with them, there are a lot of pieces to be excited about.
3: And Troy Rollins was so important. I mean, he was the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. Like, he was, and he threw multiple innings. Like, there was was an awful lot about Troy Rollins that, um, you know, it's not just a one-inning guy that you're you're trying to replace. So that is a big question mark. And they struggled down the stretch when he was out at the end of last season. Uh, But I think it's a major difference trying to replace a guy like that on the fly versus knowing that he's going to be gone and that you have you know six months to figure it out. Or, uh, so I, I expect them to have the back end of the bullpen sorted out a, a bit more than, than what you saw at the end of, end of last season without Rawlings. Uh, I mentioned Arizona and Stanford before. Stanford, obviously, I don't know that they needed any extra motivation after missing the tournament for in back-to-back years. Uh, but this is Mark Marquez's final season, after 41 seasons, he'll retire at the end of this uh, the end of this year. So, if they needed any extra motivation, it's there. They wa- they definitely want to send him off right, um, and you know they're they're aiming to uh, to to find the perfect ending for for him. And Arizona is is intriguing. They lost an awful lot from last year's team. Bobby Dahlbeck's gone. Nathan Bannister, Zach Gibbons, and, and Cody Raymer. Those were all very important teams to players to a team that that finished second in the country last year they went a little junior college heavy uh, while they were bringing in the 10th ranked recruiting class so if they can get those guys to mesh quickly they should be in a good position Uh, because obviously in addition to the talent they had last year Arizona's um, team chemistry really was a was a big asset for them and I I think that was a key component to their Omaha run so trying to find a way to make that happen you know, give this team the same kind of cohesion. Um, That's definitely one of the tasks the coaching staff is is trying to work on in addition to, you know, ironing out where where everyone plays and pitches. So we talked about Arizona as the national runner-up. Let's talk about the defending national champions, Coastal Carolina. They check in at number 15, they lost an awful lot from last year, <laughs> obviously. That was a very old team, and in the lineup particularly, there are a lot of players that um, that that moved on to, to pro ball or just graduated. But they bring back Andrew Beckwith, the College World Series most outstanding player. They bring back Alex Cunningham and Jason Billis and Bobby Holmes on the mound. They should be strong on the mound. Jimmer, what, what do you make of, uh, of Coastal here as we move into seventeen?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like what you said. They kind of lost some of their heart and soul guys, like you know Anthony Marks, uh, Zach Remillard, some of the guys like that on the in the on the offensive side. But I mean, they should still have plenty of talent. I wouldn't. I mean, they are always been a at their best. They've been a program known for offense, and they play in an offensive ballpark, so I wouldn't expect that to hold them back. I mean, maybe they. I mean, sure they'll have to sort some some things out lineup wise in the early going, but uh, I mean, I, I've I've I'm I'm pretty. Pretty uh, pretty complete faith that they can they can figure it out. And like you're saying, I mean, they've on the mound. There's they're they're pretty set. I mean, they do have to replace Mike Morrison, which won't be easy. But I mean, the rotation they've got options. They've got some freshmen they like. And like you said, Beckwith is back, so they can and they can use they can do pretty much. Whatever, he can do pretty much whatever you want him to do. So I think they and he did last year. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, they I think they'll be fine. And we 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 kind of debated on about where to place them. I think we. Had, Originally, we kind of had them a little lower just because of how much offense they're losing. But then we kind of, realized, you know, they are the defending champs, and they've got they've got guys in that dugout that are winners, and they've got experience on the mound, and that coaching staff now is, you know, has a championship on his resume. So it's, I mean, we're so they, you know, kind of gave them a little more credit once we uh, kind of, upon further reflection. I think
3: um, how they. You know, they, they they have some pieces offensively. Billy Cook out there in, in the outfield and Kevin Woodall and, and Brandon Wood-Myers. I mean, They, they have some pieces. Uh, they'll have to figure it out. But like you said, offensive ballpark. I don't think they're going to lead the country in home runs again this mm-hmm. year. Um, but with the pitching staff they have, with Beckwith on Friday nights and, and him locked into that this year as opposed to that, them not being sure that he could handle starting for a for full season and does he work better as a bullpen ace or as a closer Do, I mean, they're settled on, they they can settle on what they want him to do, and with Cunningham and Billis behind them, and Billis especially being a year further away from Tommy John surgery that he had his senior year of high school, I think they can pitch at a higher level this year, which means that their offense doesn't need to produce the kinds of gaudy numbers that, that they did last year. And it's a program with a lot of momentum, obviously. They, they really, they're really believing in themselves right now, and they should, considering what they did last year. Um, I think we'll all miss Anthony Marks. They'll miss Anthony Marks. We'll miss Anthony Marks. Um, Such uh, a
1: funny guy. He, uh, He's a great guy.
3: He was great on the <laughs> on the dais there in Omaha. So was Mike Morrison. Uh, several of their guys were, were very, very
1: good interviews lots of anecdotes about wearing jorts and playing basketball and i mean you'll funny. you won't get that anywhere else no. I, I feel
3: like we, we will all miss that but i think they will be able to find another left fielder and that they'll they'll be able to to get an offense together that um you know is, is capable of, of supporting the strong pitching staff that, that drew thomas uh, their pitching coach has to work with um so they're 15 uh we didn't i didn't mention the 11 through 15 vanderbilt washington louisiana lafayette who is the sunbelt favorite just ahead of coastal uh new new conference for coastal this year as well nc state at 14 coastal 15 virginia 16 unc 17 oklahoma state 18 UC Santa Barbara and Long Beach State, 19 and 20. And I wanted to talk about the Big West here for a second. We kind of glossed over Fullerton uh, in the top 10. But the Big West as a whole, those three teams, Fullerton, Beach, UCSB, they're all in the top 20. And I think the Big West can be really good this year. Um, Cal Poly, UC Irvine, not not ranked, but we expect them to be very good. The Big West, top to bottom, I think it's a, a very good conference. I think they've got a lot of intriguing teams, and it's a, they've sent, as a conference, they've sent a representative to Omaha three years in a row, and it's been a different team each time. So a lot of teams in that conference have experience playing well in the postseason, and they're going to be tested within the conference this year, and, and I think that it's going to be a fun race all season long. We have Fullerton at the top. They bring back their entire rotation, and it's a good rotation uh, with Colton Eastman, John Gavin, Connor Siebold, Uh all, go, all those guys could start on Friday nights. Um, they have an older lineup. UCSB and Long Beach have a, little more, a few more question marks, but they played well in the postseason last year. Obviously, UCSB goes to Omaha. Long Beach goes and uh, gets to a regional final, brings back a lot of offense. They both bring back a fair amount of offense, and and with those pitching staffs and in those parks, I think we trust, and and knowing the the younger pitchers that they have, I think we really trust Beach and UCSB to pitch. um, And and They have the offense this year maybe uh, being a little older. Maybe they can uh, support the pitching staff, kind of the opposite of what, what we just talked about with Coastal there rounding this out, Georgia Tech, Arizona, Stanford, Maryland, Texas Tech. We have a few ACC teams down here near the bottom. Uh, Mike, who uh, who down here, Virginia, UNC, Georgia Tech, a little higher, NC State? I mean, what's uh, what's kind of jumping out from the ACC here at the back half of the poll?
1: Well, to me, you know, I think all these teams are, are pretty close at this point. I think they all have significant questions although obviously not significant enough to keep them out of the top 25 but still questions that I think will end up determining you know obviously how these teams line up at the end of the year I mean you look at North Carolina State they do bring back a ton of offense I think they're going to hit really well curious to see how they line up on the mound especially in the weekend rotation. You know, for me, that, that's kind of my question mark with them. Uh, you look at Virginia, obviously won, won it all a couple of years ago, and they bring back a lot offensively. They're going to miss Matt Theis and the thump that he had in the middle of the order. I mean, obviously a, a tremendous power hitter and a very patient, disciplined hitter. You know, but they bring back Paven Smith. They bring back Adam Hazley, who's huge in terms of just his center field defense, being a leadoff hitter. He might possibly bat in the middle of the order, too. He's added some, some muscle. And obviously being a Friday starter and a guy who's pitched in Omaha and has been really good. You know, the key for Virginia is can they piece the rest of it together on the mound and in the bullpen? And there are signs that they can. You know, Evan Sperling missed last year with Tommy John surgery, but, you know, he's got good stuff. And, you know, he was a guy, he was a name in high school. And, you know, he's got the chance, he's looked good so far, to, to come in there and, and really shove, you know, with the stuff that he has. So, but again, it's a question mark because he hasn't done it before. And then you look at, at North Carolina, and obviously they've missed the tournament the last two years, which is strange for a program that was you know, really a yearly Omaha team for, for a while there. And uh, obviously it's a team that's going to be hungry to, to get back into the postseason, but you know they have their questions too. Obviously having not been there, they return a lot of the same guys. Can They, they take steps forward. There are signs that they will take those steps forward, and certainly you look at their pitching staff and how deep it is, you know, you already have JP Bukowskis, who is one of the top draft prospects leading up into this draft, leading their rotation. And then you bring in the arms that they brought in in their recruiting class. You know, they're very, very deep on the mound, even after losing Hunter Williams um, for academic reasons. So, you know, for me, the question is: Okay, can these guys who have missed the postseason in the last two years can they figure it out? Can they take a step forward? And can they win those big games and finish off series? You know, so that's that's what we'll see. And then Georgia Tech. For me, I mean, they're always going to hit. They they have a very good lineup, but can they stay healthy on the mound? That was the the big key for them last year, and we'll see what they do this year.
3: Last year, Georgia Tech got off to a great start, and um, it was really attributable in large part to their young pitching, and they couldn't keep it up partially because they had some injuries, partially the schedule strengthened a little bit. Um, So as those guys get older and they get those guys back this year healthy, I really like the upside of Georgia Tech. They're going to have to stay healthy, like you said. That. I mean, they, they just they can't they can't endure the injuries they had last year. Um, they made it to regionals last year, but they were uh, by that time they they weren't quite the same team that they'd been at their peak. And UNC on talent, I mean, they they could be ranked a lot higher than this. I think definitely, um, definitely. But when you lose your when, when you lose what they lost and off a team that. Um, you know, and, and you haven't made the the tournament for the last couple of years. There are some question marks, and uh, there are unknowns here. They're, they're dealing with a, a bit of a younger team. These guys are still largely sophomores. They have some juniors mixed in. Brian Miller, very good, uh, moving to the outfield, and, and Bukowski, like you mentioned. But you know, they're, they're a younger team, and they're they're going to have to find a way to to win, uh, which, which is something that they've struggled with a little bit the, the last couple of years. And I think they'll finish better in the ACC than they did last year, mm-hmm. um, but.
1: And expanding the ACC tournament obviously helps because they just missed the cut last year, being one of those ten teams. So. Right. I mean, but yeah,
3: you, you figure though they have to finish better than eleventh. You in would the think ACC. so. You would think so. Um, their record might not be that much better, but the uh, <laughs> their overall record might not be that much better. But I, I, yeah. I figure they they almost have to finish better than eleventh in the ACC this year, uh, with with the kind of talent they have. Yeah.
1: For sure, I think they get back into the tournament this year. You know, I think they do. I don't think they miss three NCAA tournaments in a row, but we'll see. With I
3: mean, with us putting them there at seventeen, we're uh, we are endorsing them as right. a uh, as a as a tournament team, and, and I mean that's a borderline host. Uh, you know, right. when when Jimmer goes to make out his uh, field of sixty four here this week, uh, we'll take the top sixteen teams as hosts, and, and UNC right off that, um, and, and they. Like I said, I mean they, they have the talent to do this. Mm-hmm. We just want it. We want to see it a little bit. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean they could. I could see them swinging in either direction in this poll, depending on how things go early in the season. Because they have a tough schedule to start out too. I mean they're they do. they're opening against Kentucky, which. You know, obviously, it's not a team that's ranked, but they've got some talent on that team. It's hardly a cream. I mean, it's that, yeah. an
3: SEC team. It's coming; they're coming to UNC. I mean, that's hardly a cream puff uh, opening weekend. They're right. they're going to see some stuff on opening weekend,
1: and then they have Long Beach State coming in soon after that. So it's it'll be interesting. We'll, I think we'll know early what kind of team they're going to be.
3: Yeah, I, the the early the early going is going to be very important for them, especially as they try and get the uh, get the taste of last year out of their mouth a little bit, right. Also down here, I, I wanted to mention uh, we got Maryland. It's the Big Ten favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. There, uh, the Big Ten is a little bit tough to predict right now. Um, it feels like it always is, uh, but this year we're we've got Maryland in here at 24. They've got a lot coming back. Mike Shawarin, who uh, was so important to them during his career, is gone. He was drafted in the fifth round last year, but they got a lot of they. When I talk to John Chef, I mean, he feels like this pitching staff is, is the deepest he's had. He feels like they've got four or five starters, four or five guys in the bullpen. like they, they all can be really good and that kind of depth they just haven't had. And if they're able to um, if the pitching staff lives up to that, they've got hitters back. Kevin Smith is in it, took a, a big step forward over the summer in the Cape. He'll anchor it at shortstop. They've got some experience up and down that lineup. Um, you know, that's a team that's also trying to get back into the postseason after missing last year. They've been to back-to-back Super Regionals before that. Um, th- this is a team that that can do that, uh, that can come out of the Big Ten and uh, you know you know make some noise again. It, the the Turfs have done that before, and this time you know they're just trying to do it without Shawarin. But they've got the guys now that they don't have to rely on the pitcher that. that was nicknamed the unicorn (laughs) um you know they've got they've got other program leaders now they've matured as a program to the point where they can handle that
1: and maybe they'll find some other mythological creature along the way but well you know kevin smith
3: i i don't know i mean he could use a a mythological creature nickname he he is potentially that good for them
1: right right yeah. Well, uh, so I, uh, I feel like one of our coworkers, uh, Josh Bear Norris, would be better at coming up with. Uh, I am with a I am atrocious name. at nicknames, so I'm yeah. not going to
3: attempt it. But I am going to suggest that someone at Maryland start calling Kevin Smith some mythological creature
1: yeah they need they need something else i mean we got we got
3: got a lot of play out of mike shawarren being the unicorn last year right he had a snapchat filter he did and they emojied it all the time like it was we need we need that again
1: yeah we need something like that so figure it out maryland
3: (laughs) (laughs) so that runs us through the 25 um there were plenty of good teams uh beyond this that that we talked kicked around a little bit uh, Texas A&M, ooh, Rice, ooh. Uh, those two stick in my mind.
1: Houston, we talked about.
3: We, a little we talked bit. about Houston. All a little the Texas bit. teams, <laughs> all Texas, all the time. <laughs> apparently, um, everything's bigger there.
1: So.
3: <laughs> um, you know, I, I, Michigan also in the Big Ten. Our, right. We uh, we kicked around a little bit, and uh, both Mississippi and Mississippi State. Um, so there, there are talented teams here. I mean, they, it really when we're trying to narrow it to 25, there are some team, I mean, we, we only have these 25 slots. some guy some teams just inevitably end up you know, missing the cut that this is the nature of, of a top 25 ranking right. Um, but there, there are very talented teams beyond this. It's going to be an exciting year in college baseball. Uh, we're finally we're, we're only a few weeks away, which is a little scary. We've got a lot of preview content left to finish here. Uh, but we've got a top 25 now, and that means that the season's coming up pretty soon.
1: It does, and I'll, I'll tell you what, Teddy, I'm, I'm jacked. Uh, I'm pretty jacked about the season, and I'm pretty jacked because I had probably an unhealthy amount of coffee this morning. But, you know, it is it is coming. It is coming soon, but it's going to be fun to get out at, at baseball fields again and, and see a lot of this talent in action. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of great teams you know here in in our area, you know, around Durham and our neck of the woods just because we have a lot of ACC teams here, but you know, we're also obviously going to be traveling around and trying to get out there and see as many teams as we can and I tell you what, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out of my cubicle. I'm ready to spread my wings and fly Teddy. Let's cover some college baseball. Let's do it. Mike has the enthusiasm
3: this morning. <laughs> Opening day is February 17. We will have the enthusiasm then. Between now and then, you can read all kinds of, of stuff over at BaseballAmerica.com about this upcoming season. We're rolling out preview capsules, breaking down these top 25 teams, five a day. So if you go to BaseballAmerica.com, you can see all of those throughout this week. The following week, uh, we will start with our conference previews. Those extend for two weeks. Uh, All-Americans will also be coming out next week plenty of features will be uh drifting over to the website in that time as well and the magazine which we send to press on thursday will then hit newsstands a week or so later uh so you can be sure to to pick that up if you like the physical copy as well the cover uh will be pretty cool this year Uh, i'm excited about it uh i'm excited for you guys to see it and then once the season starts obviously we'll, we'll have plenty more to talk about then um, but we will, we will be podcasting between now and February 17. Uh, so check back here, check back at baseballamerica.com, pick up the magazine. It's all happening. College baseball season, it's here. And uh, we are excited about it here at Baseball America. So thanks to Jim Schonard, who had to go take a phone call in the middle of this to help finish out our college premium content.
1: <laughs> we well, are still not done. <laughs> we are so not done. Um,
3: so thank you to Jim. Thank you to Mike. I've been Teddy Cahill, and thank you for listening.
0: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...